Hello and welcome to UFC Tonight. My name is Martin Tomond, editor of Mirror Fighting. And over the next 10 or 15 minutes or so, I'm going to take you through tonight's UFC 257 main event. It is, of course, the return of Conor McGregor. He takes on Dustin Poirier in a rematch of their 2014 clash. Before I get into it, please do give the video a thumbs up. Please do subscribe to the channel. And if you're listening, this will be available as a bonus podcast this weekend. Please do rate and review. So, some details, first of all. The early prelims tonight, 11.15 on Fight Pass, UFC's subscription service. If you're in the UK and Ireland, then from 1am until 3am, BT Sport 1 is your home of the prelim card. And then from 3 o'clock until, well, the end, BT Sport box office for the main card. Even though the fight is in Abu Dhabi, it is a 5am start, 5.30 perhaps, for UK fight fans, which means a 9am start in Abu Dhabi itself. Apparently, we have to keep the US TV viewers on side. Either way, what a fight we have in store. But before we come on to it, let's go back 12 months. Conor McGregor had just fought Donald Cowboy Cerrone. 40 seconds was all he needed for a stoppage victory in his first fight for 15 months since his defeat by Khabib Nurmagomedov in October 2018. And at that stage, Conor McGregor said, I want a season. I want three fights this year. I want to be active for the first time in quite a long time, at least in the cage. And then a couple of things happened. Of course, the pandemic happened and that did restrict him. But also, if you think about the what was going on in the lightweight division at that time, Khabib was supposed to fight Tony Ferguson. So he, they were tied up. Then that fight didn't happen. So Justin Gaethje stepped in to fight Tony Ferguson. So they weren't really available for Conor McGregor. Poirier was coming off the defeat by Khabib. He wasn't really in the picture for McGregor. Charles Oliveira hadn't really quite had that victory that he needed to push into the upper echelons of the division. So really, there weren't too many options for Conor McGregor. And that's kind of what he alluded to this week. He said, I was frustrated because I couldn't see where I was going to go. But now, 12 months later, the division is hot again. It's really opened up. And this fight makes sense. A fight that was not on anyone's radar 12 months ago. Suddenly now, you could argue, outside of Habib, the two best lightweights in the UFC in the world. And of course, you've then got the, the co-main event tomorrow morning is uh, Michael Chandler making his UFC debut, of course. Excuse me, he takes on Dan Hooker in the co-main event. Those are options for McGregor going forward, <clears throat> as is now Charles Oliveira after his win over Tony Ferguson. Justin Gaethje, who okay, did lose to Khabib last year, but he's around. Nate Diaz always lurking in the background. So I think this year, probably assuming he wins tonight, of course, or tomorrow morning, Conor McGregor will get his season, if you like. <clears throat> and that's exciting for... <clears throat> excuse me. That's exciting for all fight fans. Of course. And let's first of all go back to the first fight. 2014. Conor McGregor had three wins to his name in the UFC. He'd fought Marcus Brimage, he'd fought Max Holloway, and he'd fought Diego Brando. 
and he's coming up to his first fight in Las Vegas, first fight on a pay-per-view card against Dustin Poirier, a contender in the featherweight division. And really the fight is won for McGregor before the first bell. He gets into Poirier's head, and the man really, by his own admission, is a mess by the time he walks to the octagon. The fight lasts for just over a minute, a minute and a half. And McGregor, not born that night, but certainly introduced himself to a new audience, certainly once again backed up all those predictions he had been making. He goes on, of course, to fight Dennis Siva, then Chad Mendes at short notice, then beats Josie Aldo in 13 seconds to win the featherweight title, while Eddie Alvarez immediately switches up to lightweight and then has to rebuild. Really difficult decision to make. He, he was thought he was on the way to a featherweight title shot, loses, and has to go again at £155. But it's then when it starts to get interesting. You look at Conor McGregor, he tore through the featherweight division, then had those two fights with Nate Diaz, who, you know, were an accident, really. He was supposed to fight Rafael Dos Anjos, jumped up to welterweight to fight Diaz, lost, then won, but then came his best performance in the octagon. Two rounds against Eddie Alvarez, 2016, became the lightweight champion. And really, that still stands, I think, as his best showing in the UFC. Then, of course, he flirted with boxing, was beaten comfortably by Floyd Mayweather, came back, had a dreadful camp by his, by his account for Habib, lost in four rounds. And really, at that point, we could have lost him from the sport. His coaches have said this week he was in a really bad place, and it was quite possible that he would not return. But return he did against Cowboys 3 last year in a fight which, let's be honest, was perfect. A perfect fight to come back to against a man who struggles early on, who struggles at the highest level. And listen, that's what happened. 40 seconds, job done. But compare and contrast that inactivity, that up and down, that switching from martial arts to boxing with Dustin Poirier since 2014. 13 fights, 10 victories, two defeats, one no contest. And the no contest against Eddie Alvarez, he then won three much. It's, it's such an impressive body of work. And there probably isn't a better one in the UFC right now. He did lose to Michael Johnson early, which could be important with regard to tonight. He did lose to Habib as well, but so does everybody. So have 28 others. Now, the key question, and there's so many questions around this fight, but I think most of them relate to Conor McGregor. In terms of questions for, for Dustin Poirier, he has to, we have to ask whether he has closed the gap since 2014, or has he narrowed it sufficiently enough to, to be at Conor McGregor's level. And I'm not what he's not going to do is show us anything that he hasn't shown us over the last few years. He's not going to come to this fight with a bag of tricks. He's not going to have learned anything new. Otherwise, he would have done it by now. He's had so much activity. He's exposed, if you like, in terms of what to expect from Dustin Poirier. What does he do well? So... One thing he'll definitely do well is he'll stay till the end, if he can. If he can get through five rounds, no matter what he has to go through, he will still be there at the end. It will not come down. He will not lose a battle of wills. That is for sure. His striking is excellent. And this fight will stay on the on the feet for as long as it has to. Until probably if it go again, if it goes the later rounds and the time has creeps in for McGregor, then it may go to the ground. But for the for the most part, it will stay standing. And if Poirier can get inside McGregor, which is very difficult. But if he can get inside, he's very good at throwing punches in bunches. He puts these combinations together 
very well. And we saw that against Keichi. We saw that against Dan Hooker last year. But the problem he has is he's getting insane. He's closing that gap between him and McGregor against a man whose movement is, is among the best in the world. His judging of distance, go back and watch the Eddie Alvarez fight. If you're new to Conor McGregor, definitely go back and watch that fight. It really is just a masterclass uh, over one and a bit rounds. And you saw his timing in that fight. And if he is on par with that performance, getting in for Poirier to get in, inside that distance, inside that left hand, inside that jab, is going to be very, very difficult. But he has to, to try. That, that, for me, is his route to victory. So he can do that in two ways. He can use his own offence, but he can also try and negate McGregor's offence and his, and his defence. How do you do that? He has to try, he has to use his kicks. He has to, to limit McGregor's movement. It really is simple in theory. Stop McGregor moving, get inside, there's the job done. But of course, that's much harder than it sounds. But that's the way he has to do it. I can't see how he's going to do it any other way. And if he can get inside, and one thing I will say, he can take a punch. So if McGregor cracks him on the chin with that left hand, okay, it might be lights out. But if he can take a few punches early, if it looks like he can take a few punches early, that will give him so much more confidence to then try and get inside and then to try and finish the job. So that's Pori. Uh, what I would say about the last couple of fights that I've watched in the build-up to this, Justin Gaethje, incredible fight again, into the fourth round when, when Pori won. But Gaethje went for his legs very early. Those calf kicks really disabled Pori, and he really started to struggle. And that's kind of why it became a bit of a firefight for, for most, of the, most of the bout. But again, what uh, Pori showed was his incredible ability to, to come back to really to be in trouble, as he was against Gaethje, an incredible striker himself, but then to suddenly just get a second wind and come back. And then once he had Gaethje rocked, that was it. It was all finished. Against Dan Hooker last year, again, he was in trouble for bits. He only won the fight by one round on two of the cards and two on the other. It's a very close fight. And going into the last, it probably was up in the air on the cards. So again, Poirier does get into trouble. And more often than not, since McGregor... First fight, he's gotten out of it. The question is whether or not he can get himself out of any trouble against McGregor, who, whose finishing is, is so good. So those are the questions around Dustin Poirier. Can he get inside McGregor's range and stance? And then can he get to work? Can he put the punches together? And then we'll see what McGregor's got. But for me, there are far more questions about McGregor. You can't... We've seen him for 40 seconds in the cage over the last two and a bit years. Nobody, unless you're Conor McGregor or his close team, nobody can say that he will definitely be the Conor McGregor of old. It's just not possible because we haven't seen it. You know, he came out against Cerrone, raced out, you know, didn't didn't care what was going to come back. Or he thought nothing's coming back, so it doesn't matter. Raced out with a left hand, overstretched, overcommitted, didn't even land. But then once he got into it, it was it was over in 40 seconds, as I said. So you can't glean much from that. So you have to look at how he looks, how he's been behaving, I guess, if you like, in fight week. Certainly looked good. He came in at £155 yesterday. Didn't have to. Could have been 156 because it's not a championship fight, as Dustin Poirier did. And OK, you might think that doesn't mean much. But if you imagine that Conor McGregor walks around at £180 and then has to lose 
25, 30 pounds for a fight week. You don't want to lose that extra pound if you don't have to. But he did. Uh, it kind of feels like he made a statement and said, here I am, championship weight. He did it before when he was uh, a featherweight. And it doesn't, but also on the flip side, it doesn't mean that because Poirier was one five six that he struggled. Again, if you if it is tough weight cut, why take off an extra pound if you don't have to? So Conor McGregor looks in good shape. Clearly, I think lightweight is definitely his best weight if he can get the weight down rather than going up fifteen pounds to one seventy. So he looks in good shape, and his demeanour has been really good. You know, he's he's answered questions on controversial subjects on his legal issues properly, sensibly. He's addressed them rather than dismissed them or, you know, berated the journalists for, for even daring to ask them, which is their job. So he's coming across camp. There is no trash talk. He's definitely, that's definitely in the past now. So there's no repeat of the 2014 Conor McGregor before the first poor A fight. So he seems calm. He seems confident. And everybody in his team is saying he's the best he's ever been. Now, of course, every fighter really has to have an innate sense of invincibility, right? You, they have to believe that if they walk into the ring or the cage, that they are going to win, or at least they're not going to lose, no matter who else is there, because they have to. You, you can't, you know, that's why Poirier lost the first fight, large, well, big part of it anyway, because he went in there already beaten. You can't do that. So, of course, everybody's going to say he's in great shape, great training camp, no injuries, perfect. But the problem with saying that everything is that good, that he's the best he's ever been, that it's going to be an absolute clinic of a performance is that if it's not, then the only excuse you've got, the only reason you've got is that he was beaten by the better man. But if Conor McGregor goes in there and actually looks below par, how do they then explain it? So I think you can give some credence to what they're saying. You can say a little bit. They might just be right because they've gone so over over the top, because they're saying with such conviction that he's looking so good in training. And let's be honest, he's had... A crazy training camp. He had 10 weeks in Portugal the back end of last year, secluded, uh, had his team around him, then flew back to Ireland for two weeks over Christmas, built a gym in the Assay's garden. I'm sure it's uh, I'm sure there are acres, acres of space in his mansion. A full-size octagon just for two weeks over Christmas, then flew to Dubai, great acclimatizing, and then hopped over to Abu Dhabi. So it, it kind of shows you what money can buy. I can't, on paper anyway, I'm not sure his preparation could have been any better. Even the fact that you know Poirier has made the long flight over from America just a couple of weeks ago or 10 days ago. McGregor avoided all that. He's been in the area for quite some time. So I think we can probably give some credence to what everybody's saying because you know at some point they'll have to answer for that if, if it doesn't go to plan. And the other thing I wanted to touch on is, is his motivation. It's kind of been brought up a few times this week. And he's been asked, listen, you've got hundreds of millions of pounds probably in the bank. He's got a thriving business. He and his family and his children's children are, are sorted in terms of, of money. Titles, he's got the featherweight title. He's had the lightweight title. This one's not for the belt, but even if he was to go on and win the title, he's not doing anything he hasn't done. So it's difficult uh, possibly for that to be a motivation. And he says, it's just for the love of the game. I just want to fight. And I kind, of, I kind of imagine that it's a point as a professional fighter, when you make it that big, that it becomes a bit of a drag. Because when you're coming up, you know, as a young kid, and as an amateur, you could probably arrange fights at a few days' notice, a few weeks' notice. You go in there, there's nobody there, you fight, you do what you love to do, 
you get out, you go again a few days later. It's just fighting, it's just training and fighting. But then all of a sudden you make it big. And of course, that's been your dream for all that time. And the money comes, the fame comes, the titles come, and it's all great. But then it probably gets a bit exhausting as well, the commitment, the, you know, the media. Everything is just, it just kind of piles in on you. You're suddenly the app, you know, you're, you're the focus of everybody for that period of time. Anything you do outside of the cage or the ring is suddenly blown up everywhere across the world. And I think with Connor, he's probably got to that point where he just wants to fight. He doesn't really want all the other stuff, but he accepts. It kind of comes with the territory. But if he can at least fight three or four times in a year, then he's got that on his side. And I watched his documentary the other week, his old one. And he, there's, there's a scene early on, way before the UFC, he's in the gym and he's, he talks about how he has to train to keep his head straight. And the first thing I thought of was Tyson Fury. Apologies for mixing sports. But he, you know, he was world champion. He'd beaten Vladimir Klitschko in 2015 and then just went off the rails. And nobody expected him probably to come back at all, certainly not to come back the way he has done and become world champion again with such an explosive performance against Deontay Wilder. And he puts that down to basically training constantly for the last two and a bit years. He trained the nation through lockdown uh, on social media, the first lockdown anyway. And he's never been out of the gym. And you can see because he doesn't get out of shape. And he says, I have to train for my mental health. And then that translates into the into the ring. And I think it's the same for McGregor. He had so he has so many ups and downs, so many controversies, so many legal issues. He can't possibly have had his head straight over the last few years. Until perhaps after the Don Cerrone fight, when he just seems to have trained constantly for a year and then had this extended camp for this fight. And I think that might be. The reason, perhaps, that he wins this fight, or that, or at least the reason why he is in such good shape and that he will be the Conor McGregor of old, or maybe even better, because he's in a good place in his head and because he knows he's training, he knows he's fighting. And really, barring a disaster on Sunday morning, he will have that series of fights this year. So I think that might be enough. I think that has convinced me at least that he is going to be on point. And at the end of the day, the best Conor McGregor beats the best Dustin Poirier. And I think it possibly is that simple. It then comes down to a question of how he does it. He said 60 seconds. I'd, I'd be surprised. I'd be very surprised if he does it inside 60 seconds. That would be an incredible statement. But I think certainly it will be a stoppage uh, for Conor McGregor. Perhaps late in the second, he'll do enough damage in the first to lay the foundations and then maybe finish him off late in the second. Early third, if it goes much past uh, the sort of midpoint of the third round, you do start to think, well, chances are Conor McGregor's not going to put Dustin Poirier away. Does Conor McGregor's cardio start to let let him down? Does Poirier come into the fight in the latter rounds? That's certainly a possibility. But I think I think a prime Conor McGregor beats Dustin Poirier, however good he has prepared, well he has prepared for this for this fight. As I said, second, third round stoppage. That is my prediction. So, as I said, the fight will be on 9am local time, 5am UK, Ireland. If you are in the States, 9pm on the West Coast, midnight on the East Coast, BT Sport Box Office in the UK, ESPN Plus pay-per-view, far more expensive in the States. We will, of course, have full coverage on mirror fighting throughout the day and the evening and into tomorrow. And I will be back maybe an hour or two after the fight has ended with a review, reaction, and of course, I look ahead to what is next for both Conor McGregor and Justin Poirier. Do please 
Join me then. Until then, enjoy the fights. <laughs>